time for VIC Weekend Sports Talk Shows. Leading off, we have Max Adams, Liam Spellman, and Tyler Purdy here on VIC Radio. All right, welcome back, everyone, after a little week hiatus. Yet it feels like kind of a month. I don't know about you guys, but yeah, it feels it's been like a while. A, a while. Mm-hmm. But uh, we won't waste any time. We got Saturday. We got some college football going on. And we can jump into a nice little Heisman watch list. Um, I'll give you guys my uh, three. And I don't really have any order right now. I feel like it's too I, – I don't know the order right now because I feel like every week is changing based on all these teams and all these games. So I'll jump right into it. I got Bryce Young in Alabama. Pretty obvious. Uh, he's still putting out numbers even though the loss to Texas A&M. But he's on pace right now to, to almost match some numbers from his previous quarterback the year before, Mac Jones. So I think they're on a good pace. Um, got Matt Corral from Ole Miss, obviously the – uh, the nation's leading offense. <coughs> Nothing else uh, really needs to be said about that man. He is throwing at least three touchdowns a game, over 200 yards passing a game. That offense is just unstoppable right now. Um, and then I got Kenneth Walker the third from Michigan State. He's leading the, the uh, college football in rushing with 997 yards, and Michigan State's undefeated right now. So I think you show the running back a little bit more love. Yeah, for me, uh, I got the two QBs, like you said. I got Matt Corral, uh, 14 passing touchdowns. He's got one pick on the year. It speaks for itself. His rushing is what I take notice the most. He had 30 carries last week against Tennessee. Uh, I, think he had like a, I think it was 195, yeah, 195 yards against Tennessee. So I think that's what – my second guy is Bryce Young, but I think that's what separates the two is, is Matt Corral's rushing. Uh, but Bryce Young, uh, more importantly, I think is – I think I, if I had to pick one, I'd be Bryce Young. Uh, he's third in passing touchdowns at 24. He's got three interceptions. He's eighth in passing yards in the nation with 2,082 yards. He's completing almost 70% of his passes. Um, so if I had to pick a one, it'd be Bryce Young. But but what separates the two is Matt Crow's rushing. But I think Bryce Young in Alabama, at the end of the year, I think Bryce Young's going to take this Heisman. And my last guy, I wanted to go I wanted to go to running back, uh, B. John Robinson uh, out of Texas. Uh, he's actually on a tear right now. He's he's at 150 yards rushing per game. He's third in the nation rushing with 924 yards, and he's got 10 touchdowns and a 6.4 yards per carry. Um, he's I wanted to give show some love to some running backs because I feel like quarterbacks always get the love, even for for the NFL MVP award for the Heisman. It's, it's even though Devonta Smith won it last year as a receiver. But it's usually a QB award. Uh, but B. John Robinson is tearing it up at Texas, and uh, he, he's my third guy. Yeah, I wanted to put Bijan Robinson in there uh, as well. I just couldn't really find the space for him at this point in time because of uh, where my number three spot uh, ends up, and that is uh, Caleb Williams from Oklahoma. Really? I really like what I've seen from him so far. His offense since debuting has put up at least 50 points a game. Uh, through a, a start and a half, this man has 609 passing yards and 250 rushing yards and nine total touchdowns. And coming down the stretch of the season after they have Kansas this week, they have uh, Texas Tech, who will be a breeze, but then they have number 20, Baylor, Iowa State, and then now number-ranked Oklahoma State. So I think those are games where we could really see him go off as he's been doing. And, um, I mean, who needs a Spencer Rattler when you have a Caleb Williams? He, that <laughs> offense has looked amazing since he's put in, like, the Kyler Murray days. It's crazy because Spencer Rattler at the beginning of the year was, like, the Heisman guy. Favorite. Right? Yeah. Number one pick of the was draft he, yeah. favorite. Everything he was the favorite for. It's completely different now. Yeah, and I, I think Caleb Williams has shown that he's leaps and bounds better than Rattler uh, to this point. And I think that will only continue, especially with the competition that they're about to face. Um, my second guy is Matt Corral, but 
it's an interesting wild card that uh, he's throwing at us right now because he is injured this week, and Lane Kiffin said that he's not in very good shape to play against LSU. So I think after this week, the the top three Heisman conversation for Matt Corral kind of starts to diminish. But he has been fantastic so far, completing uh, 60, 66% of his passes, over 1,700 yards through the air, 14 passing touchdowns, and only to one interception and 450 rushing yards to go along with that uh, with eight rushing touchdowns um as uh tyler said uh nation's leading offense and i think that this guy's stock is only going to continue to go up but the thing is he has to be in the lineup and then at my number one spot right now i i gotta go with desmond reader uh number two team in the nation right now trying to become the first non-power five school to make uh, the NCAA, uh, the college football playoff, and he has been under a microscope since the since the season started. All eyes have been on him in Cincy, in the quest to be the first uh, the first team to accomplish such a feat. Uh, he's completing sixty four percent of his passes, over fourteen hundred yards through the air, thirteen uh, to two TD to interception ratio, and three rushing touchdowns. And I think if Cincinnati continues to be in that top three conversation in the rankings. I think Desmond Reader is the favorite moving forward. Yeah, I wanted to put Reader in there, but I was gonna if if this list were, if this was the last week of college football and they're still undefeated, I would have put him there. I I think Cincinnati they need to win out for him to be in that conversation just because they're a group of five team. Mm-hmm. But uh, onto the upset picks of the week, Liam, how about you start us off? Yeah. Um, I actually went with, with your team. I don't know if this is your team, but I went with LSU over Ole Miss. Uh, for those that don't know, Purdy went to the LSU game uh, against Florida last week in a thriller, uh, and he left a mark there uh, down in the bayou with his finger. I don't know if you want to explain that. But uh, <laughs> but LSU over Ole Miss is my pick. Uh, Max Johnson looks great. Uh, he's playing great football uh, at, the, at the helm for QB for LSU. 20 touchdowns with four picks. Uh, and he's coming off a great win, like I just said against Florida last week. Uh, a ranked team, uh, a little there's a little drama now with Coach O, like last season. So maybe because I feel like they the players would want him to stay, but maybe it's, they don't actually. No, they don't. The players don't want players and coaches don't want to play and or coach for him anymore. Oh, okay. So it was a mutual agreement that after this year's over, they're gonna, he's going to step away and he's going to take some time to his family, and they're going to look for the new it's, coaching job. Yeah, but I but I feel I think they ride last week's game and and, and um, what's his name Ty, Tyron Davis Price went off last week oh. thirty six rush uh, attempts for two hundred eighty seven yards and three touchdowns, um, but but the, the last two games is when they've actually gave him the ball he had he had 20, 20 carries two weeks ago and then thirty six now, but at the beginning of the year he wasn't really getting the ball so I think they're gonna they're gonna stick to the run a little bit and then and with Mac Johnson and with Price I think they're gonna. Take down Matt Corral and Ole Miss. That's my that's my upset pick of the week. Yeah, uh, we're on the same page this week, Liam, because I also have LSU. Um, as I mentioned before, Matt Corral is not looking good to play this week, and with uh, Coach O uh, being known for leaving after the season, I don't think LSU loses another game for the rest of the year. I think, especially at, uh, at home, I believe they are this week as well. Um, th- that crowd is going to rally around them. And for all the reasons you said, Liam, uh, Price on the ground has been a monster the last few weeks, and I think they're only going to continue that. And I don't know if the nation's leading offense really picks up where it left off with no Matt Corral. See, I I love this choice of both of you guys, but I actually have a, a lot bigger of an upset that I think is that I think it actually can happen. I got number number eight Oklahoma State falling to Iowa State right uh, this really? week. Mm. I got Iowa State uh, winning twenty seven to twenty four. The last three matchups between these have, has been decided by a touchdown or less. 
Um, Iowa State has the best rushing defense in the Big 12, so obviously Jalen Warren is the, probably the best, the second best running back in the Big 12 behind Bijan. But um, I think Iowa State's going to pull this together right now. Iowa State's turning into the team that everyone expected them to be, even though they're a, they're four and two team right now. But I think they're going to figure it out on home against the. Um, but yeah, so uh, NBA kicked off Thursday night uh, this past week. Had some uh, interesting outcomes. Uh, what, what were you guys' opinions on the, on the Nets game? Yeah, well, just in general, it's great to have the NBA back. Uh, it's like one of the best times of the year. Uh, in the show, we're going to talk about all all different types of sports. Um, but but the NBA back, having them playoff baseball uh, and having football still, it's awesome. But the first game of the year was was the Nets Bucks, um, and it was weird to have the Nets. The Nets are still filled with drama with the whole Kyrie situation. Mm-hmm. So I, I can only imagine how how weird and tough it is to play uh, on the Brooklyn side of things. Uh, but but the Bucks looked great. They picked off right where they left off uh, after the winning the finals, uh, and I think Max will talk about this. But but like Giannis, I, every year, every year I, I I like like watching him more. He's just a great guy. But also like I have no problem with him saying that he's the Giannis Antetokounmpo is the best player in the NBA. I, I think Max will want to say something about that. Oh, absolutely. That's exactly where I was going to go with that. And I don't really think it's up for much debate after uh, the opening night game. Um, although I thought this after the finals anyways, but this is kind of the, the indisputable kind of process that it, it's gone through where Durant has had a lot of the number one buzz, and this is a guy that knocked him out in the playoffs, and now this is a guy that ran him off the floor on opening night. Um, and so the, we've seen the last 10 years uh, that LeBron has been <coughs> the consensus best player in the world for the last decade. So wouldn't it make sense uh, that the person that uh, holds this title now is now the reigning finals MVP, a two-time MVP, former defensive player of the year, dropped 50 points in a finals game clin- uh, game clinching game to win the finals and had two iconic plays within that finals and also came back to win two series on the way to the finals after he trailed uh, 2-0. Wouldn't it make sense that it would be that guy that now holds that title rather than someone who was just two years removed from an Achilles tear that just lost in the second round, and the only time he's ever won was when he was part of the biggest super team ever (laughs) assembled? So I think opening night only proves that, although not to take away from Kevin Durant's great opening night, he did have 32-11, and but this is a guy that I don't think we could take anything away from. And he's continuing to get better. We saw in the preseason, now he's developing more Shot of a pull-up yeah, pull jumper, and he's hitting threes. If that is consistent with the rest of the season, I think Giannis is going to run away with another his third MVP of the season. And uh, I think opening night is only the step in the right direction, although we won't talk about the Heat game uh, after yeah, after yeah, mentioning all that. We'll, yeah, we'll, <laughs> well, we'll you guys hit the nail right in the head because Giannis is right now just telling the league that the, the the era of super teams, it's over. It doesn't matter. You can sign whoever you want, pay whoever, however much you want to pay them, does not matter because they can beat you either way. Um, I, the thing I love about Giannis the most is that he's assisting the ball. He's a big man, and he's getting seven assists in a game. Middleton and Connington both dropping 20 points in that game. Um, I, the Bucks are, they're all around. They're, they're a super team of itself. Uh, they're just creating names of, of them themselves. I mean, they dominated the Nets, 127 to 104. It wasn't even close. I mean, KD did have 32 points, 11 rebounds, 4 assists. But the Nets, I, I, I think they got to figure it out. I think the Kyrie thing is definitely affecting them more than what they say that, uh, than they actually are. But uh, on to the, mm-hmm. the other uh, opening night game, the Lakers and the Warriors. The Warriors won 121 to 114. Liam, I know you're a LeBron guy. What's your opinion on this game? Yeah, I mean, this is this is Max team. Me and him are both – I'm a huge LeBron fan. Um, and 
I just think it's it's gonna take a while for the Lakers uh, to kind of get things going. Uh, it's, Russell Westbrook's got to see where he is on this team. Uh, I, th- I think he, he is he got to look to be be Russell Westbrook. I think he's a little tentative because he doesn't really know his place, and it's, it's LeBron's team, obviously. Uh, but opening night, opening night was LeBron and AD. Uh, I think they were only maybe the only two to get in double figures with thirty plus points. But I, I, I don't know. I just I think the Lakers are gonna be great. I think it's, I think they're gonna. I think they're. Gonna, I they'd be my pick to win the finals. I think LeBron is healthy. I think AD is healthy. I think Lakers are dangerous. I love the old depth they have. I just think it's gonna take time. Uh, even you saw last night what, the weird interaction with Anthony Davis and Dwight Howard. I don't, I don't know what Dwight Howard's doing. If if he gets on Anthony Davis's bad side. Like Dwight's getting traded. Like I don't know what he's doing, uh, but 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 let's give props to the Warriors as well. I mean, Curry didn't even have a good game, and he still had a triple double. Uh, and the Warriors just the Warriors are so dangerous. They just kill you with the three. I think uh, it was Damian Lee or Jordan Poole that hit a, hit a late three, and they they showed a, like a replay of LeBron just like just being drained because he just they just rain threes. Um, and it's just so tough to play them. So, so props to the Warriors, but it's going to take time for the Lakers. Yeah, uh, I'm going to steal an Aaron Rodgers quote when I want to tell everybody to relax. The last three years, um, we've made a habit out of losing uh, on opening night uh, since LeBron has come over. We lost to the Blazers year one with him. We lost to the Clippers year two, and now we're at the Warriors year three. And we came in as the favorites for all of those games, and I think we were better than all those teams on opening night. And we just kind of laid an egg, and we've kind of had um, a different landscape of our team every every year coming into the season, and I think there's some kinks and chemistry issues to work out. But we'll be fine. We have uh, THT. Uh, Kendrick Nunn and Trevor Ariza on the road to recovery, and they'll be heavy parts of the rotation. The one thing that I'm mostly concerned about right now after watching last night's game and watching uh, opening night is how Frank Vogel is overthinking the rotation. Um, in in this game in particular, uh, why is Avery Bradley taking make-or-break shots down the stretch of the game and not and playing? Hayes more, I feel like, too. Yeah, and not playing the entire first half. Avery Bradley was not seen until the end of the third quarter, and he was in until crunch time, fourth quarter, and he was taking make-or-break shots. Why does DeAndre Jordan start at the five if you're going to put AD at, at the four when AD plays most of his minutes at the five anyways? Um, why does Kent Bazemore start, start over Malik Monk? Like, things like that, I, I don't think, I think he's overcomplicating it, and uh, you saw last night where they had a lineup of Mello, Russ, AD, and DeAndre Jordan with Austin Reeves of all people, by the way, um, and but that that crew really, I think they outscored uh, the the Suns thirty two to six down the stretch of the game, and if you just keep the lineup like that in, and you know who's hot and who's rolling and who's really going to give you the best effort on the floor and the best uh, and put you in the best position to win ball games, why are you constantly making it so that there's only one of the big three on the court? and a bunch of role players that are not going to create offense like they're going to. I think at least two of them need to be on the court at all time, and Frank Vogel's kind of overthinking it. Side worries, uh, AD seems kind of out of shape, as we've seen in the preseason a little bit. He's not running back in transition defense. Our transition defense is awful to begin with um, in these first two games, and AD has kind of played a big part in that because he's not getting up and down the floor. Uh, you saw him a lot last night, hands on his knees after possessions, after foul calls. So that kind of worries me a little bit. I think that'll that'll fix itself as the season goes on. 
and um yeah i i think those are those are just kind of the couple a couple of things to to slight worries that will be fixed well i think you guys saw a game a different game than i watched because that game what i saw i saw the same problem lakers that i saw last year in the playoffs i don't see that much of a dangerous team right now yes lebron and ad had fantastic stats lebron was uh shooting 13 to 23 from the field ad was 15 for 26 lebron was 5 for 11 from three but that's what i don't like i don't think this team should be shooting the ball they need to be driving getting these fouls lebron can get to the bucket anytime he wants but he doesn't do that he he forgot that he can drive because just like in the playoffs last year he just kept shooting 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 and yes in this game it paid off well they still did lose but get great stats but i think in order to dominate these games him him and ad are going to have to work the paint get buckets get fouls and just do, just dominate because they're just shooting the they're shooting the three. They just get the ball and they shoot the three. And I feel like that just takes away from so many different aspects from this team that they could be. They have a bunch of big men that they don't use. They just keep shooting from the perimeter when that's not them. Like the Warriors, they are a perimeter shooting team. I would expect them to be having those numbers, but not the Lakers. But uh, moving on, New York Knicks. I am the only one from New York from New York mm. here. Um, so the Knicks pulling away a nice little double overtime win against the Celtics. Very. Uh, that was a game where the, a lot of people were shocked at the Celtics. Um, we're, we're playing like that. I mean, I feel like the Celtics got, coming from last year's playoffs were really hot. Jason Tatum was getting buckets last year, 40 points in the playoffs. Um, but the Knicks kind of shocked the world out there at home. Uh, uh, Julius Randle, 35-8-9. And, and uh, the Celtics, I mean, they did kind of hand away the victory to the Knicks, not going to lie. But I'm very impressed with how the Knicks played. Fournier dropped 32 points in opening night. I got nothing else to say. I mean, that was a great victory for the New York right there. Uh Game of the year already. That was insane. I I had a lot of fun watching that. Um, it it was just back and forth. It was like pickup basketball. Like you're playing the 21, and and your both teams are at 19. And it's going back and forth. There was a couple, got a little sloppy at the end. I think Dennis Schroeder missed that wide open layup. He's Jamal, trash. Yeah, Jamal. Why is he number 71? First of all, that's yeah, terrible. you're not Luca. Get, get get that also number out of your out of your yeah, your system. Get, like stop get it. Out of here. And then uh, Jalen Brown missed that dunk. But it was I had a lot of fun. The only thing I'd say. Uh, criticism of this game, or not criticism, just in general, is Jason Tatum, why are you shooting the last shot when Jalen Brown has 46 points in overtime? I Jalen Tatum, Tatum is the best player on the team. I, I will agree with that. But Brown is 40, I think he's 43 at the time. He was cooking. Tatum Half-court logo. Yeah. To, Tatum, to Tatum, was, Tatum was not, he wasn't Tatum. He was struggling, and he airballed the last shot. Mm. He is your best player, but Jalen Brown, you give it to the hot guy, and he was he was hot. So that's why I would have loved to have seen Jalen Brown shoot that at the end of overtime. Yeah, this was the, the game of the year on the second year, our second game of the season, or second night of the season rather. And I, I haven't seen a game like this in a while where uh, the crowd was as loud as it was. There was always a big three being being made, and the other team constantly had an answer. And when teams or when one team stopped answering, then you could see the fatigue and really yeah. get it how everyone was affected by the double OT. Like, Julius Randle at the end of the game was exhausted, as was Evan Fournier and Jalen Brown. You could kind of see it in their play towards the last two minutes of the game. But it was very it was very magical to see Derrick Rose hit a, hit a dagger for the first time that we've seen in a while, and I'm that always makes me, that always makes me uh, happy to see him thriving uh, at, in this day and age. But uh, I would like to talk about the Celtics for a second. Um, now, I will say that at this time last year, I was predicting them to meet my Lakers in the finals, and that was just abysmal analysis on my part. They, that couldn't have been more off. Uh, the Celtics came as a as a seven seed. Lakers got knocked out in the first round. But um, 
I am where I say relax the Lakers. I'm very very worried about the Celtics, um, and especially in the Eastern Conference with the Heat being back and the Bulls emerging, that kind of has them on the outside looking in. I feel like as far as a top five seed in the Eastern Conference, um, a lot has changed since last year as well. Kemba Walker didn't work out. Danny Age was replaced by their head coach, and now they have a new head coach. They were forced to uh, bring back Al Horford. Uh, Fournier packed it up, and a few other role uh, players departed as well. So now they're in a position to bank on long-shot draft picks like Robert Williams, like Aaron Neesmith, like Romeo Langford, Peyton Pritchard, and even Grant Williams, who's managed to get his way in the starting lineup. Those five guys, though, Played 136 or took up 136 minutes of playing time versus the Knicks, and he only registered 41 points. So until further notice, that is not a threat in the East, I don't believe, because if your name is not LeBron James and Anthony Davis, two players cannot carry a franchise like this, and so they're going to need a third fiddle to step up, or they're going to be in trouble this season. Well, the Suns right now, they're the team that shocked the world last year, made it to the finals. And they kind of shocked the world in lo- and by losing the opening night, 110 to 98 to Nuggets. Kind of, kind of dominant victory over over the Nuggets. Um, Jokic, uh, I feel like kind of a quiet 27-13-2. Um, but but something that maybe might go underlooked is uh, the Nuggets had six people with uh, with over with double digit scores. I think they're uh, disturbing the ball around, which is good because Jokic any day can go get 40, go get 15 rebounds, and go get and, and get a triple double. I mean, that was the MVP self like him last year. But I think it's good that the team's distributing the ball, letting other people find their rhythm. Um, and just the Suns couldn't really find any rhythm, um, and they were shooting on like around 30 uh, percent from three. Um, that's not like them. Usually, at least uh, Crowder hits at least fifty percent. Maybe go for three for six. He was over five that game. Um, the the team just couldn't really get anything going. Booker was cold. Uh, they were the defense was kind of clamping the Suns a little bit. I mean, they tried to get uh, change the defenders a little bit, but uh, no matter really who was go- uh, covering Booker, I feel like Booker couldn't get to the lane. He couldn't shoot. It was just a cold night for the Suns. Yeah, uh, I'm a big fan of the Nuggets. Big fan of Jokic. Uh, Jokic is always going to get his best passing big man in, in the history of the game. I love Jokic. Um, Michael Porter Jr., uh, I think he's going to have a really good year. Hasn't hasn't done crazy. Like, he's got a hundred, no, $200 million contract, uh, so he's got to make money. He's got to make do for that. Uh, but I really like this Nuggets team. Suns, Suns picked it up last night against the Lakers, uh, but all in all, it's a good game, and I'm excited. I'm just excited in general for both these teams to go uh, throughout the season. Devin Booker also, Purdy's boy, big fan of big fan of Devin Booker. Yeah, I think this game was a very good rep- representation of where both teams are at this moment in time. I think the the Nuggets are very dangerous this year, and they're only going to get better once they get Jamal Murray back. Uh, you saw Jokic pick up where he left off with his MVP season, 27 and 13. Will Barton chipped in with 20 points. Um, and I think they're they're a very dangerous team in the West once they're fully healthy. They're deep. They have uh, high high volume scores, and they have Jokic at the helm. So I think they're they're going to be in very good shape. And for the Suns, they had their highest scorer be Mikael Bridges, sitting at 16 points. Yeah. Uh, nobody broke the 20 point mark. And That's not going to win games. Yeah, right? absolutely not. And I I have a I have a hard time thinking that or I. I think that they're still trying to pick up the pieces from losing the finals. I think that's still in their head. And now they have the DeAndre Ayton not getting extended distraction to go on the background. And I, I'm, you know, kind of tentative to say that the Suns are, are are descending. But with teams like the Clippers, the Nuggets, the Lakers, and the Jazz, where do they fall in place when they're fully healthy um, going up against them now? 
Yeah, couldn't agree more. Uh, we're going to head to a break right now, but on the other side, we're going to talk playoff baseball. You made it through another long week, and there's no better way to celebrate than taking a trip down the scenic route on VIC Radio. Join us every Friday night at 10 as we explore the best of folk and Americana, stopping at all our classic favorites and discovering a new, unique voices along the way. Sit back and enjoy the view, only on VIC Radio. MLB baseball. Uh, we got the postseason going on. Um, Liam's team, unfortunately, lost the series last night. Very heartbreaking. Liam, why don't you tell us a little about yeah, your team? Just, just very disappointing. Um, uh, I thought the Red Sox, thought their team of destiny. They, 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 they've been unbelievable this postseason. Uh, hitting the ball everywhere, not really swinging, missing, having great at bats, and then just a flip of a switch. Completely turned off, and I want to uh, blame Laz Diaz for a lot of that. Uh, the umpire of Game Four not calling that uh, three and two, no two and two, whatever the count was, strike uh, for Evaldi, and then them getting to a hit, then a base clearing double by Michael Brantley, and then nine innings or seven seven runs in the ninth inning. Change the whole momentum. That's that's baseball. It's comes and goes with the territory, but I hated that. And the Red Sox, they got outscored. 22 to 1 by the Astros after that ninth inning in game 4 to game 6. That uh, that is unacceptable. Can't that can't happen, especially after the Red Sox because the Yankees against the Rays in the first 3 games of the Astros, they were they were unbelievable. Could hit everything. The pitching was great. I really just don't know what what the heck happened. It was it was tough to watch. I kept thinking, "Oh, it's going to turn around." Uh had a little glimmer of hope and nope, couldn't couldn't do it. After after Kike Kike hit a triple it was one nothing. Kike hit a triple for the first hit of the game last night. Um, and Devers was up next. They took out the starter, um, who was throwing great. Kike was on third, two outs, one nothing game. First pitch, Devers pop up. I was like, God, this this might be over. So very disappointing. Good season altogether, but but I I'm very disappointed. I'll say it again. Yeah. Uh, I haven't seen a catastrophic collapse like this in a playoff series in baseball in quite some time. The Red Sox were riding all the momentum after uh, I believe game three and they just were dead after that they're pitching they're hitting even their defense at times was shoddy and um, it was very surprising to see because usually Alex Cora runs a very tight ship they're very disciplined um, they can usually be pretty consistent with him at the helm and they just got outplayed um, now this what the series was kind of a nightmare scenario for me as uh, both a Yankee and baseball fan so I'm just happy it's over now <laughs> To be honest, um, and I'm I'm actually a little bit happy that the Astros came out on top. I, I told this to Liam last night, but um, I didn't really have anybody to be happy for if the Red Sox went to the World Series this year. Um, but with Houston going, the only I do have one person to be happy for, and that's Dusty Baker. I would love to see him accomplish a World Series win before he he up and retires, whenever that may be. That guy's been in baseball for years oh, upon years upon years. Um, I would prefer for it not to be with the Astros, but at this point in time, I mean, when else is he going to do it? So I, I would be interesting to see how the how the team takes that going into the World Series. And um, yeah, just happy for Dusty Baker. Yeah, well, uh, the Red Sox. I just feel like way too many mental errors throughout that series. I mean, Liam, you saw that. Why are you stealing? Why are you stealing? 
JD, that, that JD's not going home. Game. I, I totally forgot about that. That changed stat. the entire game. Yeah, just but, not a good night. You know, the Astros, they have to be one of the clutch, clutch, most clutch-hitting teams in all of baseball. I mean, I feel like whenever you need them to, they, to prevail, they, they hit they hit a home run. They They're get on so base. Annoying. They get a walk. They, they, they find a way to win. I mean, it, they've been the five straight ALCS games. I mean, this is the third pennant in five years. I mean, the Astros are the Astros. It sucks to say whether they cheat or not. I mean, it happened it's in the past, and the team's still hot. And uh, the Astros are a good baseball team, so we'll see what, the, what they do against the uh, Braves or the Dodgers. Because uh, right now we got Game 6 for the Braves-Dodgers. Yeah. They're up 3-2. I think Game, game 6 tonight... Uh, it's at 8 o'clock. I think the Dodgers are 100% winning this game. No question the Dodgers will win this game. Free money. Last year, uh, same situation. The Dodgers went down 1-3 to three in the NLCS to the, Dod- uh, to the Braves. A little bit different, though. The the home and away situation is a little bit different. So this year, um, the Dodgers will be home in the game six compared to last year. Um, but um, I, I think the Dodgers are going to take this game tonight. Uh, take forced to go to Game Seven, but I think the Braves are going to prevail in Game Seven, and they're going to walk away with the victory. It's going to be Braves Astros World Series. That's my prediction, Liam. What's your wow, thoughts? Wow. Okay, so I was so well, first off, in general, I was very surprised off the start of this. The Braves won the first two games. Um, even Game Four, it was Braves were up. Uh, it was I think it was five to two, and then Cody Bellinger hit that three run homer in Game Four. I think that was a huge momentum shift. That was I think Dave Roberts said that was one of the biggest hits. Uh, at least for Cody Bellinger, but just for Dodgers, that was a huge game. And then Chris Taylor, two nights ago, three home runs in postseason. I mean, are you kidding me? Um, so, I mean, the Dodgers, Dodgers have been the best team. Actually, well, Giants were technically the best team in baseball, but Dodgers ultimately are the best team in baseball. They have freaking four MVPs on their team. Their lineup's an all-star team. They're stacked. Uh, but I'll give the Braves credit. They have, they're playing hot baseball. They're, they're out. They've been without their best player, Acuna Jr., for the whole year pretty much. Uh, but guys like Austin Riley are stepping up. Freddie Freeman's always going to be there. Ozzy Aldis. But I think it's a make-or-break game for the Braves tonight. Even though they're going to mm-hmm. be at home the next two games, I, Game 7, I think Scherzer will probably be on the bump Game mm-hmm. 7 because he's not throwing tonight. I, I think if the Braves are going to win, it's got to be tonight. I'm not sure who's on the mound tonight for the Braves, uh, but it's going to be a good game. So I, I'm I'm cheering for the Braves now. The Sox are done. I want the Braves to win, so... I'm, I'll Freddie be, Freeman, baby. Yeah, Freddie Freeman. I, I hope the Braves win tonight. Uh, so, so go Braves. Yeah, I'm. Um, <clears throat> I'm with you uh, as far as rooting for the Braves uh, for the rest of the postseason. They are now the underdog in the scenario and the most likable team left. But um, I'm. I'm very concerned for the Dodgers, and I can't say I agree with you, Purdy, that this this game is a guaranteed win for the Dodgers, just on the sole purpose that they just lost Justin Turner. Uh, a very good veteran leader for them, that a very good clubhouse guy for them, and him not being out there is definitely going to hold some sort of presence out there. Um, I think the Braves get it done tonight. First game back at home, um, they kind of had a collapse in Game 5 where they they were in control, and then they kind of lost all the handle on it. I think they, they finished the job tonight at home. No Justin Turner. The, the Dodgers' morale is going to be down as a result. Um, I'm not sure what the the starting pitching matchup uh, is looking like. I believe Julio Urias is on the mound for the Dodgers, and I want to say Ian Anderson for the Braves. Um, Correct me if I'm wrong, but I kind of like Ian Anderson in this uh, scenario just based off of Urias' last last out and kind of get shelled four runs in three innings. Um, So, yeah, I like the Braves to take it home tonight. Well, one more thing before we wrap up this baseball talk. Uh, for the Dodgers that for tonight, if they can get into the eighth inning with at least a one-run lead, 
I'm sorry, but Jansen's becoming one of the clutchest closers, I think, in MLB. I think he, the last three, I think he's won the last three, um, the last three games he, he's came in at the end. And I think right now he's not really being touched in later in these innings. I mean, the last two games he walked away with the Dodgers with the victory. I just wanted to mention that real quick, in my opinion. Uh, but um, NBA, back to the NBA. Uh, prediction. Uh, I want to ask you guys, who do you guys think is going to be the sixth man of the year this year? Obviously, last year was Jordan Clarkson of the Utah Jazz. Um, who, anything that's going to be different, repeat? Uh, I think Jordan Clarkson's probably the, the odds-on favorite. Um, he's a scoring machine off the bench. No, can't argue that. Little, a couple names I wanted to mention uh, that might maybe a little under the radar is Alex Crusoe. Big Alex Crusoe fan. I like the Bulls mm. in general. Um, uh, and Cam Johnson. Um, former former Tar Heel great, uh, played great in the postseason or not the postseason, the NBA Finals. Uh, I really like Cam Johnson a lot. He's kind of that sixth guy. I wanted him to start, but the Suns got that, that nice rotation. Jay Crowder's that good role leadership, and Mikael Bridges is, is a nice stud three and D guy. But Cam Johnson, I like. He gets like twenty plus minutes a game. He's a sharp shooter, and he plays a lot. So I mean, you're th- you're a shooter with Chris Paul throwing you the ball. You could, you could put up 15, 15 plus maybe a game. So I, I really like Cam Johnson. He'd be my dark horse guy, but but I think Jordan Clarkson's the odds on favorite. Yeah, uh, I actually slightly disagree to a point. I think um, D Rose is should be the favorite coming out um, this year. I think the Knicks are a legitimate threat in the East now. The additions of Kemba Walker and Evan Fournier make them a very dangerous team, very deep team now. And this gives Derrick Rose an opportunity to really come off the bench and be that that spark plug, that energy guy that we've seen before for so many years. And I, I think that this, he's going to have most of the spotlight this year for that award. Um, obviously, Utah is not in that um, high market spectrum. And D. Rose and the Knicks are always on everybody's radar. And I think uh, D. Rose rekindles his la- uh, last year where he could have won it as well. I think he was a top three candidate at the so, uh, yeah. coming down the stretch of the season. And I think it gets it done this year. I think um, the voters are going to love what they see. And I mean, how could you not fall in love with D Rose mm-hmm. playing basketball at a high level again? So I, I got, I got D Rose yeah. as, as this award. I'm in full agreement. Year. I think Derek Rose and the New York Knicks is definitely should be one of the favorites to win the sixth man of the year. Look at what, look what he did the other night. He got the dagger. He's going to be playing in late, uh, late, uh, Late moments of the game, um, but uh, another uh, name, Kevin Herter of the Atlanta Hawks. Mm. I like Herter. I like what he's doing off the bench. I think he's getting buckets when he needs to be. He's leaving the bench and scoring for the Atlanta Hawks easily. Um, and I'm, I'm look what he did last year in the playoffs. He was lights out when he needed to be. And honestly, the whole Atlanta Hawks team shocked the entire world last year. And I think they can definitely uh, do some in the East. And Herter, I think, will definitely help this team propel them into the playoffs. Yeah, he's got a $65 million contract, too, so he better be, better be good for that. So he should be up there at least. Uh, I think talking about like just being good, bold predictions again we're going to do for NBA season. Uh, Max, this is your question, so you want to you take it off? Yeah, uh, I'll start it off. This one's kind of an interesting one because yeah. it's not really one that she that – like there's a lot of un- unpredictable things that can happen during the course of this NBA season in particular with everyone coming back from injury and what have you. Um, I made my prediction in the MVP race. Now, the person that I have winning this, maybe not the, as bold. Giannis, I think, is going to win his third MVP this year. I, I think that is um, that is a very good... Uh, like the, the league has him on a microscope right now since winning the finals. He was amazing in that finals. And then you saw an opening night. He only picked up where he left off. 
He's got the jump shot working now, as we mentioned before. So I think I think Giannis will be the favorite to win MVP this year. But my bold prediction within uh, within this MVP race is who he beats out. I think he beats out LeBron, who I said last year, uh, if not now, when, for MVP. I don't think he gets it this year, but I think he's very much in the running with the Lakers. Probably going to be a top three seed in the West. Uh, LeBron is going to have a chip on his shoulder after getting knocked out for the first time in his career, his first round. But then the two guys I have behind LeBron, I have Donovan Mitchell and John Morant. I like them a lot this year. I like John Morant. I like them a lot this year to kind of have that MVP hype around them. John Morant is literally keeping the Memphis Grizzlies franchise afloat on his own. He has willed his way into the playoffs the last two years. And I think this year we're looking at a top six potentially in the West uh, carried by John Morant. And if they're a top six seed in the West, who knows what his numbers are going to look like. And then Donovan Mitchell is a guy that <clears throat> it was the best player on the best team in the West last year. And, I mean, his numbers are only going to continue to shoot up as as the Jazz continue to um, prevail as a very big threat in the West. So I, I think that is um, bold enough. To yeah. to fulfill this fulfill this question, I'm interested to see what you guys have. So uh, my uh, I'm more of going into the playoff route, and uh, my prediction is that if when the Warriors are healthy, when Clay is back, I think they're easily in the Western Conference Finals. Um, I think this team is electric, like you said. Their three point shooting ability is it's still it still amazes me as as an NBA fan. Every year I go into it, okay, yeah, you know, Steph can shoot the three, you know, all they can, everyone else can get buckets. Uh, but they just continue to amaze everybody. Look at Curry the other night. First quarter, 25 points, 100% shooting. Are you kidding me? So inspirational. <laughs> so inspirational, Curry. Uh, but, yeah, Clay Thompson, uh, he's got a little chip on his shoulder. I think everyone saw what he was uh, tweeting out the other day about the All-NBA uh, all uh, 75th anniversary team. Um, I, I, I love the Warriors. I love everything about them, and I think this is your year to make it back to the Western Conference Finals. Yeah, I like that a lot. Uh, now I kind of want to talk Pressure. It's a great uh, Billy Joel song. Uh, pressure, if you don't know Billy Joel, listen to Pressure. It's a great song. Oh, uh, but <laughs> but for my question I had, uh, stick with the NBA. Who has, who has the most pressure going on? them going into this NBA season. Uh, pretty take the lead here. All right, so I'll take a little bit different route. I'm going to go with the Los Angeles Clippers. Oh. Um, last year, kind of upsetting, uh, Kawhi did get injured, so it did affect their playoff run, and right now Kawhi is still hurt. So right now going this year, Paul George is really going to have to take over his team to propel them into the playoffs. I mean, they'll be lucky if, if, they, if they get into the playoffs. I don't know when Kawhi is expected to get back. I don't think it's for not that anytime soon. It's a while. So yeah. they're going to have to be winning games. They get, when they get Kawhi back, they're going to have to have at least a, above a 500 record. And I think that's going to be a lot of pressure on Ty Lue. He didn't really get it done last year in the playoffs. And uh, we'll see what they do. Yeah, uh, for my answer here, I could have went a couple of routes. I think Frank Vogel could have been one of those routes. I I think he is on the cusp of losing his job mid-season if he keeps (coughs) up what he's doing for the first two nights. But uh, I went the player route, and I went Kevin Durant. Um, This is a year where it's championship or bust. Um, You may not have Kyrie for the whole season, and James Harden has yet to sign a contract extension. So with a loaded roster... Uh, 1 through 12, and Kevin Durant being the, the proclaimed best player in the world by a lot of analysts, not me, but um, but a lot of uh, majority of top 10 lists right now being at the top, 
if he doesn't get it done this year, we're going to have to ask a lot of questions about his legacy because uh, he left the Warriors to get rid of that that super team. Like he needs he needs Steph Curry, he needs a two time MVP and one of the greatest shooters ever to win. He left that team to kind of do one on his own, and it, even at that, he's not really doing it on his own. But if he can't win with this team, who has been rumored to be better on paper than the Warriors. That's a problem for his legacy, for him, for the Nets. And I, I think that could be a lot of collateral damage if they do not complete the goal of the championship this year, and especially if they don't even make it to the finals. Yeah, no, I like that a lot. Um, similar to what Purdy said, uh, the Paul George, he's a lot of pressure on him with that. He's, he's got to be the guy now. It's his team with Kawhi out for the majority of the season. But for my number one guy, Kristaps um, Porzingis. Mm. I really like this because Kristaps came to the Mavericks to be the second star to Luka. And the key word is star. He he with the Knicks he was he was an all-star. Obviously he's the injury uh hurt him a lot tearing his ACL. But just in in the playoffs, he he looked like just an your average Joe. Like he would just stand in the corner as a seven foot three guy just waiting for Luca to pass him the ball. In the paint. Like you're seven three. you're you're an athletic freak, you're a unicorn, use your abilities. And he was just he wasn't even doing anything. He, he was still starting the games in the postseason, but um, Tim Hardaway Jr. is the second best player in, in the postseason with with Luca. Uh, it's Luca's team, no question about that. Uh, but Kristaps has has to earn it, that stardom back because that's what they're paying him to do, and that's what they brought him here to do. So, I, in terms of pressure, I like Kristaps Porzingis here. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we're gonna head to a break, and we'll talk some NFL. When the red flashing lights on a school bus come on and the stop sign comes out, you must stop. In New York State, you cannot move again until the red flashing lights go off and the stop sign is retracted, or until the driver or a traffic officer signals it is okay to pass. You must stop even on the opposite side of a divided highway. If you decide it's okay to risk a child's life and pass a stop school bus, you could face fines or even have your license revoked. Is it really worth it? Always obey the school bus stopping law in your state. All right, week numbers uh, seven. Seven, right? Seven for the NFL. <laughs> oh my God, it this already is. is. That's yeah, flying. Wow. Well, week number seven, we got uh, not that many good games. Obviously, the bye weeks are coming up, kind of changing the, uh, the the great games that we've had for the first six weeks of the NFL so far. But the one good game of, the, uh, of this week, we got the Chiefs at the Tennessee Titans. Uh, in this matchup, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick the Titans. Really? Uh, you know. I think I learned my lesson after I picked the Chiefs over the Bills and the Ravens uh, the, a couple weeks ago. I I knew in my head, I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, Patrick Holmes is 5-0 this, 2-0 this. But guess what? Everybody loses at some point. And <laughs> I think right now Derrick Henry is unstoppable. If he does not win MVP this year, if he keeps us up, I'm boycotting the <laughs> NFL because I'm sick of the NFL MVP award being a QB award. And we could talk about this on a different episode. Anyways, Henry is averaging almost 140 yards a game. Chiefs are allowing over 100 yards rushing a, a game. Titans, I, I love Ryan Tannehill. He has a lot of more. Uh, he has... He has the since um and since he entered the Titans, he has the second most fourth quarter comebacks um of most of quarterbacks in the regular season. I think that's so underlooked. Um, even if Julio's gone, AJ Brown is still a menace to that to that defense. The Chiefs don't even have a defense. It's kind of just the offense, and then the, they just wait till they get the ball back. Um, so yeah, I so said they got Titans winning kind of a close one, twenty-seven to twenty-four. Titans are going to dominate time and possession in this matchup. I see. I had the Chiefs here, but. 
for Derrick Henry is, is an absolute animal. I, I forget, uh, like he, he's on he's on pace for his best year, like best year ever, pretty much. But he's on pace for the best year of his career. He literally gets better every single year. Makes no sense. It, he's getting the ball like three hundred plus carries a game. I mean, I think he's on pace four hundred and twenty six. I think that was the number I saw. Attempts. Mm-hmm. No one should be touching for north of four hundred. That's insane. Three fifty. Yeah. And he's he's had like twenty six touchdowns. He, he's gonna absolutely annihilate two thousand rushing yards. Even with, I think even if there was even an extra game, he would have oh, yeah, got yeah. it. Yeah, he's gonna hit it. Yeah, he, he might it, not even play the game because they have a bye. Right, he won't even need to. He'll still break it. He he's unbelievable. With that being said, I'm still gonna take the Chiefs here. <laughs> um, I, I, I like I, like you said, I, this is be my last drive. If if Mahomes doesn't really get it going, I, I, it's gonna be weird. Like. Seeing the Chiefs not dominate games is, is really weird. Their, their schedule's been good. The Chargers, I mean, the division is great. Um, the, uh, the Chargers are coming of its own. They just played the Bills. Even a Washington team that they that they beat last week is good. But but I think Mahomes, it, it's Mahomes' game, uh, and they just got to keep um, Derrick Henry from. They got to contain him. They they just can't give him. They can't. He can't have those thirty five attempts for two hundred some yards and three touchdowns. Maybe like a 150-yard game, which is insane. That's an average game for Derrick Henry right now. But I got the Chiefs here. Yeah, uh, allow my moment to drill over uh, Derrick Henry as well. I mean, that man hit 22 miles per hour yeah. on a 76-yard run. I was making the joke while watching that game that, uh, you know, if I'm a safety in that situation and he's running at me 22 miles per hour, 6'5", 240, I'm like, you got it. You got it. Okay. The, yeah, just <laughs> go roll the red carpet out for him, all that stuff. Just, you got it. Um and he, he's on track for over, I think, 2,300 yards. Yeah. Um, I think he's supposed to, at this pace he's at now, he's going to blow that mark out. Um, but I do take, I, I did take the Chiefs in this game, um, although their defense has been horrible. Their offense owns the Titans most of the time. Uh, we remember that divisional game a uh, couple of years ago where Mahomes had his famous run, had one of his more famous games. I feel like Mahomes does own the Titans' defense when they go and match up against each other. He had that famous run, as I said, and then he had that jump pass to McCall Hardman um, playing them and I, I believe, that same regular season. And I think that continues. I don't see the Chiefs falling below 500 for the rest of the season. I think this is really the where they part, start to put their best foot forward. You make a good point there. I mean, we all saw what happened in the AFC Championship game two years ago. Mm-hmm. But uh, onto a, a team that Liam your Packers face twice a year, and uh, onto a quarterback that you used to face twice a year, and Matt Stafford. You got Goff play, play, playing his former team in the Rams uh, on the road in Los Angeles. Liam, who do you think is going to walk away with this victory tonight? Uh, I really wanted to get the Lions their first win, but I, that's just not going to happen. I think I think Stafford has a game. Uh, I think I mean I, he, he's going to get a great ovation um, for what he did in Detroit. Uh, he played almost like every game there. He's, he's really good. He made the playoffs like his first five years, so he's beloved in, in, in Detroit. But the Rams are just a clearly better team uh, than the Lions. But but also I want to mention like Jared Goff. Like Jared Goff's gonna be coming back, um, and he he's he has a lot of, to prove. Um, even though and Dan Campbell kind of tough love for him too. He's kind of calling out uh, Jared Goff's game. But I, I I would love to see Jared Goff uh, play well in this game, and I would like to see a high-scoring game. I don't know if that's possible with the Detroit Lions team. Love the way they play. They've had some tough losses of late, but but I think Stafford has a game. And I think I think the Rams roll. It's it's just they're just a clearly a better team. Yeah, uh, I think Stafford rolls in this game as well. 
I think the expression goes, you don't know what you have until it's gone. Uh, and Detroit, a lot of that is the case for a lot of good players that come across the Detroit sports circuit. Um, and I think Matt Stafford has a day. Um, with that being said, I would love for the Lions to uh, rally and get their get their season together. I would love to see Jared Goff um, kind of outperform the animosity that's going to be between him and McVay because it doesn't really seem like they left things on the best of, of foots. Uh, but... This is clearly a, uh, a matchup where there's there's clearly a better team by leaps and bounds, both on the defensive and offensive side of the ball. And, uh, I mean, Dan Campbell crying is going to get you motivated yeah. for as a football guy, but I don't think it's going to get you motivated enough <laughs> to, to get you a W in this clearly outweighed matchup. Well, um, I got the Rams winning this one a lot closer than maybe what most people think. I, I think it's going to be a possession game, 31-24. to 24. Um, I think when you think of the Lions, you think of – 0-6, you think of 0-16 season, you think of just losing, 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 losing. And I think their record this year, despite they have the worst record in the NFL, they're the only team in the NFL without a victory, I think they're, they're a team that uh, their record shouldn't define who they are. They've lost by only one possession to uh, to every single team, other than the, Pack- every, the Packers and the Bengals, which are two uh, electric offensive teams. Um, I, I think the Rams' offense, obviously, is it's there's too many people to cover. Okada is out for the Lions, so I don't. I think Cup's going to have a game. But I think Goff is going to keep this close. He's going to show that he's the quarterback of the Lions for the future. I do believe he is. Dan Campbell, Campbell's doing a fantastic job. Yet 0-6, I don't care about that because the team is rallying every single game. It's close, they're grit, they're hard games, and they're fighting for each other. And I think Dan Campbell is here to stay for the Lions. They're, um, but, yeah, they're still going to walk away with, with a loss to the Rams. The Rams are probably one of the best teams in the NFL. But I think it's going to be a lot closer than what people think. And on to a divisional a matchup in the Bengals and the Ravens. The Bengals are on the road in Baltimore. Max, let me know what you think about this. I feel like everyone and their mother is on the Ravens right now. Um, they have – Lamar Jackson has played better so far passing and running the football than his MVP season – uh, he may be even the MVP front runner at this point in time, although Kyler Murray and uh, Matt Stafford might have something to say about that. Um, but I, I think this is a trap game. I think that this is this is a game where the Bengals aren't really being taken seriously, and they're a four and two ball club, and uh, they have a very explosive offense. Their receivers and Joe Burrow have been playing. Sensational Jamar Chase has been probably the most pleasant surprise out of this coming draft class and probably the offensive rookie of the year front runner. Joe Mixon has had a great year where he's coming off of a very lackluster year. And even their defense is playing well at times. They're keeping them in games. And I, I think that the Bengals come out and surprise some people. I think it's going to be a very close game down the stretch. I think this is probably decided by a last-second field goal, which we know we've seen the Bengals struggle with already this year. But I do think the Bengals pull this one out and a proverbial trap game. Yeah, I, I also took the Bengals here. I, I'm a big fan of the Bengals, love their offense, big fan of Burrow and Chase, uh, T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd, and then Joe Mixon's just a really good running back for that team, and, they, and they're meshing well, and it's it's good to see the Bengals back uh, playing good football, so I, I took the Bengals here as well. Well, uh, honestly, Lamar has been changing my mind about him every single week. I was a Lamar hater going into when he got drafted. Well, not a hater, but just I didn't think he was going to do what he's doing right now, which I'm not, I'm not ashamed of saying that at all. Um, he's. I love how he's proving the world wrong. I love how he's proving the world wrong that he's a quarterback. He's not a running back. And I think this team is just going to dominate the run game. They're going to dominate time and possession. They're not even going to have Joe, Joey B and Jamar. They're not going to give them opportunities to score that much. 
Ravens have scoring at least 20 points a game for the past three seasons. I think that record is so underlooked that they score 20 or more points a game. I th- that just shows that their offense, you can't stop them. You can't. They're going to get 20 a game no matter what you do about it. Um, and I think the Bengals are just going to make a last-second mistake. It's going to cost them the game. I think the Ravens are going to walk away with a divisional v- victory of 34-24. to but uh, moving on to some fantasy, uh, like we said, we had a nice little hiatus last week, so uh, I don't know if you guys were able to add up your points, but uh, for me, for week five, really up and down week for me. I had three guys to score over 30 points, but three guys to give me under five points. So, so I got a total of 157.16 uh, <laughs> points from week five. Yeah, I mine was similar to the same. I had, I had Derek Henry in one. I had Mark Andrews, and I had Kyle Pitts. Those guys put up 30-plus. A couple guys that didn't. But my score was actually 182. Oh, wow. So my team team was pretty good. Uh, Let me get back to you on the score at the end of the episode because the hiatus kind of goofed my process here. All good. We'll we'll get into this. Yeah, you will will have an answer on who won by the end of the episode. I'll get into the quarterbacks right now while we're waiting. so I got I got kind of the main front two. I got Kyler Murray against the Texans. They're going to score at least 30 points. They're averaging at least 30 points a game. There's only one game they don't have it, and it's against the 49ers with a great defense. I got Patty Mahomes against the Titans. Like you guys said, he owns the Tennessee Titans defense. Yeah, uh, I got Mahomes as well. It's it's He's going to have a great game. Uh, I think Titans, I that's enough said. And then Stafford, we mentioned before, um, against, against his old team in Detroit. Uh, so Mahomes and Stafford, two two gunslingers, and I think two great games for them. Yeah, I also have Mahomes this week. Um, I would like to throw into the show, uh, like A-Rod owns the Bears, I think Mahomes owns the Titans. I love the uh, the the negativity that he brought to the Bears fans. I think that was very fun to watch. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, we even mentioned that. Yeah. Uh, I own you. Yeah, he's owned him his whole life, apparently. Uh, but, yeah, you remember, as I said, the famous playoff game, the, the playoff run, the jump pass to McCall Hardman. I think Mahomes balls out again against Tennessee. And then this is uh, this one's kind of a weird one for me because there wasn't a, really a lot of quarterback matchups that I loved this week. But Derek Carr versus Philadelphia has that extra element to it with John Gruden being out. We see a lot of times when a team departs from a coach midseason, they either fall apart or they rally around the interim coach. I think this is a, a scenario where they rally around the interim coach um, given how John Gruden was let go, and I think Derek Carr has a big day against Philadelphia's lackluster defense. Raiders turning into the Colts in 2016 with Bruce Arians taking over. That's what it <laughs> potentially could be. Uh, so running backs, I got Derek Henry against the Chiefs. We talked about this earlier. Uh, then I got Josh Jacobs against the Eagles. He's been scoring a touchdown a game. He's getting on carries, and if they dominate this game, he should have a lot of rushing yards. Derek Henry, best running back of the game. Uh, and then my other running back is Joe Mixon. Uh, we, we, Joe Mixon, we mentioned before with the Bengals' offense, very good running back. Had a great week last week to play in the Ravens' divisional game. Joe Mixon, Derrick Henry, my two running backs. Yeah, I also have Derrick Henry this week just so I could talk about him some more. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, and Casey's defense practically doesn't exist at the moment. But other than that, I mean, Derrick Henry, the last, since week one, this man has gone absolutely insane, putting, putting up um, – putting up 48, 20, 26, 31, and 36 fantasy points. That is unheard of. He's putting up surreal numbers right now, and that I think that only continues. And then the second one I have this week is a bit of another weird one, but James Conner against Houston this week I like a lot. I think this is going to be a quiet day for the most explosive offense in the league, mainly based on the fact that they don't really have to do anything against Houston, to, and they're going to really give their, their stars a rest and pound the running game, run the clock the most of the game. For uh, receivers, I got Cooper Cup <laughs> against the Lions. Um, 
pretty easy. Yeah. 20 points a game. I got Calvin Ridley, and I saw a bounce back week against the Dolphins. Dolphins are kind of struggling uh, in the secondary, uh, despite having Xavier, Xavier Howard. And then I got DJ Moore against the Giants. Uh, Sam Darnold, he's lighting it up. He's becoming a, uh, one of the best receivers in the league, and uh, time to start watching him. Uh, I got Devontae Adams, best receiver in the game. Sticking with the same game, Terry McLaurin against the Packers. Packers have no corners right now. It's actually bad. Eric Stokes is the best one, and he's a first-round rookie. Uh, and then A.J. Brown's my third third receiver. Good bounce-back game last week, and they're going to have to throw the ball against the Chiefs. Yeah, uh, I have uh, Calvin Ridley this week against Miami. Uh, Xavier Howard may not play, and the Falcons are going to absolutely abuse the, pa- uh, the passing game to uh, try to get that, that offense going. Adams versus Washington. The Washington secondary practically doesn't exist. Um, and Debo Samuel versus Indianapolis. Jimmy G's back. If we need a win, Debo Samuel's going to have a big part of that. I got the tight ends. I got Dan Waller against the Eagles. Derek Carr's favorite target. And I got Hunter Henry against uh, the New York Jets. He's been squ- touched on the last three weeks. I got Kyle Pitts. Going to hopefully play like he did in London uh, against Miami. And then Darren Waller again against the Eagles. Yeah, I have uh, Kyle Pitts against Miami, uh, as I said, for the same reasons. Ridley, I like Kyle Pitts this week. He had a great performance in London. And uh, Zach Ertz makes his uh, Cardinals debut, and uh, I think they're going to try to mix him in as the newcomer in the offense against Houston, Texas defense, as I said, that doesn't exist. Well, for kicker and defense slash special teams, I got, uh, well, for kicker, I got your guy's favorite guy, Young Ho Koo against the Dolphins. <laughs> I think the Falcons are going to be lighting up uh, this Do- Dolphins defense. And then for defense slash special teams, Arizona Cardinals against the Texans. Texans have the worst offense in the league, and uh, the Cardinals are rolling. Yeah, I got the best kicker in football, and Justin Tucker against the Bengals, and then the Cardinals D against the Texans because Texans don't really have a def- an offense. Um, I have Justin Tucker this week versus Cincinnati. I think the Bengals, like I said, will surprise some people this week, resulting in Baltimore not being able to get in the end zone, but that does mean a heavy day for Justin Tucker. And um, for my defense, I have the the Rams against Detroit. I think that's just an, a, a mismatch on both sides of the ball, and I think the Rams take advantage of it. And my score at the end of week five was 195.6. Oh, you got All me right. by so Max walks away with the week five victory. Boom. Uh, we will see everybody next Saturday at 8 a.m. Thank you so much for listening. This is Tyler, Liam, and Max. Peace out.